This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The future. So cool, right? All of those amazing new innovations that are going to make life even better. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a car that changes color to match your mood? Oh, wait, even better, your outfit. Buick is thinking about the future every single day. A future built around you with super smart Buick EVs that can make your life even better. And it's all out there waiting. So let's go to the future together. Join us at buick.com slash future. You're listening to the West AMY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Amway podcast with myself Dave Walker, an XWH employee. In the past week we've gone from disappointment against Liverpool to elation against Villa. 22 games gone now and we're sitting pretty in 5th place. What a season it's been so far and what a debut from Jesse Lingard. But he wasn't alone with his outstanding performance. Tonight we'll talk about the boys collectively, get the latest exclusive news from X and answer questions from patrons of the West Amway. You could argue that it was the best possible time to play Liverpool with three or four key players missing for them, but it wasn't to be, was it? Where did we go wrong on the night? Um, I think, yeah, we just were too negative. We just showed them too much respect. Um, we almost didn't attack them as much as we should have. You know, they had a centre-back partnership of Henderson and Phillips never played together, unproven. That We should have just gone at them. We should have just said, right, OK, Let's go out and at least attack them. And if we lose, we lose. But at least we've given it a good shot. And I just think we showed them a bit too much respect, unfortunately. Yeah, I saw things slightly differently, if I'm honest, in the sense that I actually thought Liverpool were quality on the night. Now, obviously, it's difficult to look past the fact that they were missing some key players. It was a great time to play them. But even the players that stood in, I thought they were really good on the night. Now, they have had a wobble in the game before that and even after us. But I just thought that they did everything right. They shut us down. They didn't give us any room to breathe. Uh, They were good on the ball. They was moving for each other. 
And I just thought that their quality overwhelmed us. Yes, I don't think that we were at our best. I don't think it was a great day at the office, to be honest. But I do sometimes think that you come up against a side that just plays better than you on the night. And, and I think that's the case, really, against Liverpool. I mean, I was really pissed off after the game, but not because of the result, but because of the shit I had to read on Twitter. I mean, listen, I don't have any problem with critiquing a performance. That's what every fan's entitled to do with their club. That's what we do on this show every single week. But some of the stuff I was seeing next, fucking Moyes has to go, Antonio's crap, our season's going to fall apart now. I mean, are these people, even West Ham, I'm sure the people we're talking about that come out of all this bollocks, they want West Ham to lose so they can quench their thirst for attention. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely obscene, mate. I mean, to be honest with you, I think these people, if they are fans, have only been fans for the last couple of years. They don't know what it is like to be West Ham fans through thick and thin. You know, I, I've supported this club in like three or four relegations now. I've supported us in the championship where we lost in the playoff. You know, I, I think... Um, those fans just wouldn't have survived if they'd been around in those days. And unfortunately, I guess they're spoilt by it. And the thing with social media is that it encourages reactions. So it encourages reactions to be negative because you've seen, as we always state back, but you've seen with like Arsenal fan TV and various people that appear on West Ham fan TV and stuff in order for them to get as much attention as they require the way to get it is to rant when we've played supposedly badly but mm. it is ridiculous when you, you you play against the champions yes i thought we could have played better so i understand people saying like i am we could mm. have done better we could have gone out to attack them more maybe yeah. show them a bit more respect but the too much respect i mean but at the end of the day i didn't expect us to win it we didn't win it we lost it um, and we move on. Is Liverpool their champions? Yes, we need to get out of that mentality and we need to sort of look to beat these teams. But you're, you're always going to have blips along the, uh, along a, a, a successful journey. You know, there's the reason the Arsenal team of the early 2000s are remembered and called the Invincibles is because they didn't lose a single game that whole season. But the reason they're known is because it's so rare. So there are moments when you're going to have bumps along the journey. Losing at home to Liverpool, one of our biggest ever bogey teams, is not that. And for people to call for, like you said, Moyes to be sacked or Antonio being shit, that's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, mm. they might as well just like randomly support a team, a different team each week. Um, because if they're going to change their opinions that full circle based upon one performance, there's no point supporting one team. Mm, spot on, mate, spot on. Well, fast forward to last night and we go to Aston Villa, who are having a decent season themselves. Going into the game, the gaffer made some changes. A lot of people thought those changes were a bit harsh, but it was clear that we had a game plan. And my God, that game plan paid off, didn't it? Oh, yeah, mate, he absolutely nailed that. I mean, the, like you said, when I first heard the team, I was almost... Because first of all, I heard the team from a different source to my usual one. So I was a bit like, when that one was sent to me, I was a bit like, yeah, bollocks, you've got that wrong, as if Fredericks is going to be there. Um, and then obviously I got it from my second source and it was exactly the same. So I knew it was legit. And I kind of thought to myself, what is he doing? But then when I questioned that to the source, I said, why has he stuck Fredericks in there? I mean, I said, don't get me wrong. I think Fredericks has got potential to be a very good winger because he's pacey you know he's direct he's got a decent cross on him at times um you know that he um that he's uh 
potentially got all the attributes as a good right winger, but we've never tried it. And we're going into a tough game here, trying it. And he said to me, it's to double up on Grealish. You got um, so that um, Moyes really rates Grealish. And by putting the two there, you're going to nullify him. And he got it spot on. Grealish was absolutely dreadful in that game. He just resorted to his usual tactic of rolling around on the floor. And we completely nullified him. That was down to Fredericks and obviously a wonderful performance from Chafal as well. But mm. the, the whole tactical setup was spot on. Bringing in Lingard, you know, and playing where he did, where he's obviously buzzing. He must have seen Lingard in the training and said, guy, this guy, boy, this guy's up for it. And put him straight in, which I didn't think he'd do, but he did. And he just got it spot on, mate. And that, that performance yesterday was so, so enjoyable for so many reasons. Oh, God, it really was, wasn't it? I mean, everyone to a man was excellent. It was a proper team performance with some outstanding contributions from individuals. Mm. Um, like you say, Grealish is booked as one of the best in Europe and Schiffel just had him in his pocket. I, I understand the reasoning behind playing Fredericks as well to double up on Grealish, but I don't think Schiffel needed Fredericks. I think he looked after him best part of the game by himself. He was mm. that good. He was that good to a point where he actually had to switch wings towards the end of the game because he just couldn't get past him. Couldn't get past him. And do you know what, X? You said it yourself on Twitter. He is fast becoming one of the best right backs this club has ever had already. Yeah. Mate, he's he's superb because for me he's got everything I look for in a in a right back. Um, in a way, he kind of reminds me of being a kid again because I used to get this excited about good players when I was young. Like, and I, and I, when I'm now, like I don't tend to get as excited by it. But for some reason, he's just really got me like gripped and on his side because I think he's got everything that you need. Now, obviously, Pia and players like that have done that, but generally they're the flair players in terms of like a player that's just really really good but like not particularly flashy he is perfect I mean he's so so solid so solid like he rarely ever gets beaten he's so strong in the tackle he doesn't mind getting kicked himself he's got that kind of psycho look to him which is always quite good for a fullback to have you know if you talk like Repka Julian Dix players like that that look a bit psycho so you get maybe the winger a little bit scared to take them on and stuff and he's he gets up and down the wing really well the players obviously love him I, I just can't sing his praises enough and you think about the signing of five million and, and you made a really good point on your um, post-match reaction where you said no one really gives a shit about the Czech league and can't name three teams or whatever and now we've and we've plucked two absolute bargains out if you think we got them for roughly a combined fee of 20 million and they're both phenomenal not just in terms of their contributions on the pitch but the, the 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 whole checkmate thing seems to be like a real like team builder and has really brought everyone together and I think he's such a good signing and I and I know he's like talk like towards the late twenties so we're not gonna have him for large parts of his career but certainly the next three years or so right back position's completely sorted. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, I can't sing his praises enough. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. As is his Czech teammate, Thomas Thomas Suchek. I mean, he's got to be on for Hammer of the Year this year so far, has he not? Mate, I mean, that question comes up in the final section, so we right. won't debate it too much, but... He's got to be right up there, yeah, 100%. I mean, the guy looks like scoring every single game from midfield. His finish yesterday was of that, of a top, top class striker. You know, right hit into the bottom corner. Um, Again, not just his contributions on the pitch, box to box, getting in the way of things in the defensive 
uh, third as well. But it's his, it's his like whole personality and his whole um, demeanor. Just like he's such a likable fella. I mean, I've never met him, but from what I've seen on social media and his interactions with everyone, you know, and I think it's that's what's so important. The players just seem to really, really like each other. Like, and you know, when Lingard scored his third goal and they all sort of legged it over and piled it on top, piled on top of him and stuff. And it just really feels like there's a great vibe there. And I think Suchek and Shafal have added to that so much. And like, they're just such good signings. And, you know, to get that many goals from a midfielder means exactly what you need for this formation. Because if you've only got one striker, then you're and you're completely taking away a potential goal scorer. But if your central midfielder is offering as many goals as Suchet does, then that's when you need that formation. Because you look at the great teams that have played one up front, they've always got that kind of midfielder that breaks through and scores. You know, regularly. You know, you look at Tottenham; they play with Kane up front. Um, Songs always scoring. Look at when Man City were really good um, a few years ago. Yaya Torre was always scoring. You know, Bruno Fernandes scores a lot for United. So there's they've always that player that scores from midfield, and we've never had it. You know, we mm. had Mark Noble, Declan Rice. They're not goal scorers, um, but now we've got it, and it, and that that is a huge part in the success this season. I would say he's got absolutely everything. I mean, we all know how out of this world Declan Rice is. He's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I think you could argue that Thomas Suchek is more of a complete player than Declan. Because, you know, one thing that Declan does lack, even though he's got the potential, is goals. But yeah. with Thomas, he's defending, he's attacking, he's doing the grafting midfield, he's great at set pieces. And before we signed him, me and UX, we said, and I've scored a lot of goals considering he's a central midfielder because he was doing it before he came to us. And yeah. now you can see why. And if someone was to say to me, what's missing from Thomas's game? I don't think I've got an answer for him. Have you? No, probably not. I mean, uh, if you're going to be really, 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 really picky, I don't see him ever, like getting on the ball and running and beating people with dribbling skills. But <laughs> you don't know. I'm just being really picky. You don't need that for his position. Um, no. he, he, remi- he reminds me, people always compare him to Fellaini. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to compare him to Frank Lampard in, when he was at Chelsea. That getting himself, but actually probably offers more defensively than Frank Lampard offered. But what mm. he's got, is that brilliant ability to 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 get himself into the right positions at the right time and make the right runs as well? And he's such a goal scoring threat because not only is he great. Um, at finishing as seen yesterday but he's brilliant in the air as well every time we get a corner I'm like where I look for him so the mm. first thing I do is look where Suchek is and, and almost like watch to see what, what he'll do him and Ogbonna you know they're your two most um, danger or Dawson's turning into be one as well but though certainly those three are your most dangerous people at the corners if you watch them it's, you can always see Suchek sort of times that run quite late and I think he like you say mate I, I love the fellow I mean, that it's so good to go through the whole team and not really think, yeah, I'm not too keen on him. Every player, I think it's got their Mm. worth. Mm. 100%, mate, 100%. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Name me a better central midfield partnership than the one we have at West Ham. It's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Let's talk about Jesse Lingard. I mean, what a signing and what a debut, X. 
unbelievable, mate. I mean, the thing is, you couldn't have asked for any better. Like, from midfield, he's got two goals. He showed absolute energy constantly, taking people on. He's not afraid to shoot. Uh, very skillful, quick, made a couple of good passes as well. Um, the, the thing is, and I've said this before, you cannot play for Manchester United for seven, eight years um, under however many managers he's played under and be shit or no good. You just can't because it's the biggest club in the world. They're under so much scrutiny. No one survives there particularly long if you're no good. And he survived for so many years. And he also played that many times for England. Now, I was curious this morning to see because, uh, you know, I, I pay attention to England and I watch them in the World Cups, but my remembering memory of what, has happened for England in recent years is dire. So I looked at him and he scored in the last World Cup. He scored against Panama, whatever it was, and we won 6 0. He scored in the uh, Nations League Cup thing, whatever it's called, against Croatia. You know, he scored in the last a couple of years ago some really important goals for England. And I remember everyone was like, you know, Lingard's got um, doing brilliantly for England, blah, 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 blah. So for us to get a player like that at 28, which is considered the peak for um, a midfield. Fielder is just such a good signing, and I and I pray, I pray we keep him next year because I don't remember. Uh, I mean, again, this is the question of the final section, but I don't remember a debut as good as that for a long, long time. No, and he's so fit as well. For someone that hasn't played a lot of Premier League football, it says a lot about his desire to play, yeah. and he works so hard, which is obviously a mandatory requirement for the gaffer, and I love that. It's so important. And um, I've said this for a long time now. I, I don't think we shoot enough from outside the box. And no. he could change that for us. And finally, you know, his link-up play of Antonio was different class. Absolutely different class. Fornells has had a decent season. And he's a bit of an unsung hero at West Ham, I think. But has he now lost his place in that starting eleven at Jesse? Uh, yeah, 100%, mate. I mean, I, I don't know. Disrespect to Fornells and I don't I don't mean to be that convincing, but I am that convinced. I I. I you, the performance of Lingard yesterday was so good in so many ways. And yes, I, I rate Fornells, but he's a decent player. I think there's more to come from him. I think in a couple of years' time he'll be even better because he's still quite young and obviously he's only been in the English game for a year and a half now. But I, I just think he, you know, he just offered so much yesterday, Lingard, um, and not just individually, but he linked up so well with Ben Rama as well at times. Yes. He linked up so well with Antonio. Um, and I just think it was it was that good a performance. Like, there's no way he that Fornells can get in ahead of him now. But what I would say is having Fornells on the bench to bring on when players are tiring, therefore... For now, his pace is going to be more equaled because players are. Because for now, doesn't have much pace. Players are going to be tiring. He he would be a great person to bring on. And don't get me wrong, I'm not disrespecting for now. I think he's a decent player, but I, I just think Lingard. I was so excited about us signing him, which is why when everyone was having a meltdown about us not signing a forward, yes, I was disappointed, and I still think it was a mistake not to. However, Lingard really excited me so much that I was able to almost distract myself because I think he is going to have the impact that he's had. He's got every reason to, to prove Manchester United wrong and also to get into the England Euro squad and then potentially the World Cup the year after and to earn himself either staying at Manchester United or a new deal. He's got so much to play for so his desire is there and I just think, yeah, brilliant. What a performance. 
Mm. And I also think there's potential to play him as a false nine if Antonio gets injured as well. I think yeah. he's he's clearly versatile. So I think it's a fantastic signing. Fantastic yeah. signing. What are the terms of this loan agreement? Is there any intention from either party to make this move permanent or is it too early to say? Um, this is my section, mate, again. So right. I, uh, I haven't got much this week, so let me answer it in that. <laughs> but uh, but um, at the end, uh, there was no agreement put into the deal. Okay, and you'll elaborate on that. I'll elaborate on on that in the next section, but there was no agreement put into the deal. I think we'll be able to get him, but there is no clause like there is with Dawson. Dawson, there is a a a buy a a option to buy at the end of the loan. There is there isn't that with Lingard. I was going to ask you about Craig Dawson. Do Watford have the right to keep him? Because I can't for one second begin to understand why they wouldn't want to, unless Craig's desperate to leave to come to West Ham, which is understandable. Um, I think, you know, that we, we if we put an offer in for him for the price that's agreed, which I believe is about 2.53 million, I, wow. think they, I think they have to allow us to talk to Dawson. And I think if Dawson um, says that he wants to join West Ham, then then I think they have to agree. I think, um, or you know, it's... It's a, but it's, still, it's a question of getting the terms agreed with Dawson. But let's be honest, I mean, Watford are doing okay in the league, as far as I know, last time I checked. But um, you, you're going to rather play for West Ham than Watford, surely, especially mm. after this season, if we can maintain it. So I would like to think Dawson will be a West Ham player for the next few years, yeah. Mm, he was immense again last night, wasn't he? I mean, he hasn't had one bad game for us and has really forged a solid partnership with Oggy, who has also been sensational for us this season. I think Ben Rama is really growing at West Ham. I mean, another good performance last night. Do you think he he could be that number 10 that we crave if he continues to be consistent? I think he needs to stay in the position that he was in yesterday um, and stay out on the left wing, personally, because it was more Lingard in the centre, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and um, I think at the moment, Lingard has such an impact from the centre that I would stick with that. But um, I think Ben Rama um, is really, really growing. At first, I thought, gosh, he is a, a decent championship player that's going to need a lot of work. But I think with time, he is beginning to show the qualities that he has. And I do think he's getting better and better and better. And if you think again, that he's 23, he's got a lot of time to get better and better and better in. And I think he will, he will really, really start to, um, start to improve even further and I think he's a really good signing I mean it's it's really you know people always say that Moyes' football is not that good like it's you know he's it's very effective but not exactly entertaining but when I look at um uh Ben Rama Lingard um Antonio and Bowen or Fredericks or whoever I think that's exciting mate mm. oh it is it really is the knives were massively out for the owners again after we didn't sign a striker in the window. But after David Moyes came out and said that there was money to spend, he just didn't want to spend it. Do you have any sympathy for the owners after the shit they got? And if this is true, do you think Moyes was right choosing not to spend the money, ultimately leaving this light up front? 
this. I, I'm really sort of torn on this, mate, because at the end of the day, right, we bid for that striker that's at Sevilla, the um can't remember his name, double barreled name. Um he he um was a target. We bid for him, his club have admitted we were nowhere near the asking price that they wanted. Now you could look at that as saying, Oh, here we go again. You know, Moyes wanted Tricoski from Burnley in the summer. We wouldn't pay the fee they that they wanted. Uh, we've done it again. Um and so you could argue, like, like if that is the number one player that Moyes wants, just go out and sign him this season because we're doing so well. The league is so open. Why not invest whatever it would have taken, forty million maybe, to get him and definitely secure a, a, a push for a Champions League spot? Why, why not bid that amount um, when that's who Moyes wanted? But then on. Like you say on the flip side, you've got to draw the limit at some point. You can't pay over the odds all the time. I do think that we've made that mistake before. And also, look at their track record in signing strikers since they've been there. That You know, that's ridiculous when you look at the 50 or whatever it is that they've signed. So many of them have been poor. So it is so important that we get it right. Um, I just, I just, I understand Um the you know people still being annoyed with the sign of striker. I'm annoyed we didn't sign a striker. But if it was Moyes, and this is the problem, you never quite know what the truth is. But if it was Moyes that said he doesn't want to buy one now, he wants to wait till the summer to get the right man in. Then whatever Moyes says goes for me at the moment, um, because he's done so well. The fact that West Ham are sitting fifth in the league, looking at challenging for a Champions League spot, I would have never, ever, ever, ever had imagined this. So whatever Moyes wants to do, he's walking on water for me at the moment he can do it yeah you're right he is walking on water and you've got to back the manager 100 and listen i'm gsb out 100 i really am but i do believe that at times they are in a no-win situation with west ham fans we're fifth in the premier league we're still in the fa cup we have a great group of players and a brilliant manager all of which they have to take some credit for yes we need a striker but if they have made the money available to david to sign one and he chooses not to, what can they do? I mean, they could go over his head, get Will Salthouse on the phone and sign a player from him, but that would cause another war. Uh, or they can just trust the judgment of their manager, not spend the money, and cause another war. I mean, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, and they ex. Yeah, I, I think sometimes there is a no-win situation, and I'd like to think that I'm um, reflective upon my opinions, and so I never have an opinion really that's like completely written in stone and that i'll never ever change even with a letter you know people seem to think i just wanted him to be shit i didn't i stated so many times if he can turn it around i'll be pleased i just didn't think he was good enough and i never ever was convinced by him and ultimately i think at west ham i was proven right with that but i'm prepared to reflect upon my opinions and stuff and so that's why after many many years i was you know, I used to defend the board probably more than others, as did you. But then at a certain point, ironically, it was the reappointing of David Moyes. Um, I was <laughs> right, that's it. That's mm. enough. I, 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 they've gone for a cheap option again. And I decided that that was it for me. Um, but I'm not saying I'm changing my mind completely because I'm not, because it's a lot more deep-rooted than just finishing well in the league one season. Um, but if they were to sustain this... 
for two, three years, build upon each year, each year, there has to come a point where you say, okay, look, you fucked up 10 years before, we missed the Upton Park hugely, Not doesn't matter what chairman we have, we're not going to get that back. Um, and the bottom line is, we're challenging for a Champions League every year, which was what we were promised when we moved to that stadium. And yes, it took longer than perhaps we thought it would do, but we've got there now, so you'd have to enjoy it. But for me, that's the key thing. It's the, the, substan- the, sorry, the sustaining of the of this good run and this good form, um, because it can't just be a flash in the pan. It can't happen this one season and we're in a relegation battle next year for, in order for fans to support them. They've got to keep it going. You're absolutely right. And I will always have a degree of sympathy to any owner of a football club when you're trying to sign players in the January transfer window because it's notoriously a very difficult window. Clubs that you're trying to buy from tend to try and exploit you because they know that you might be desperate for players at this time of the season. It's not a nice time to do business. I I totally get that. Um, But when you look towards the summer and it's a brand new season and David Moyes has a chance to build on something really, really good here, he has to be backed. He has to be backed. Yes, as I've said before, you know, it's not always about how much you spend, it's how you spend it. And that is absolutely key. Two brilliant examples of that are Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Shufel. But if David Moyes in his mind, and I'm sure he has, pictured who he wants to come in and add value to this squad of players, and already I think David will be thinking about who he wants in the summer, then you have to back him with that. David Moyes isn't a big spending manager. You know, he can work to budgets. He's proved it. So I don't think he's ever going to go to Golden Sullivan and take the piss and say, look, to take this club forward, I need two, three hundred million pound. Well, that's but, why it's called Divering Dave. And that's exactly. why he struggled at Man United because he wasn't able to operate with a large budget. Exactly. So whatever he requests, they have to give it to him. It is as simple as that. Simple as that. I mean, it's been a tough watch on social media, to be honest. I... Look, I don't know why David Gold has a Twitter account. I don't. It really doesn't do him any favours, to be honest. But all he did was wish Winston well at Brentford, and he got absolute dog's abuse. And let me give you just one example, right? This tweet here says, At David Gold, do you actually realise you are going to die the most hated chairman of all time? Just remember, money means nothing when you're in a box 10 feet under. I mean, what a shit cunt thing to say to an 84-year-old. You know, and whilst it goes deeper than performances on the pitch, he sent that when we're fifth in the fucking league. What would he say to him if we'd have got relegated? Yeah, I know. I mean, just just for the times, X, just think, fucking hell, can't can't we just all have a bit of a breather and just enjoy what we're going through at the moment rather than keep fucking fighting all the time, you know? Yeah, but mate, there's something seriously wrong. Sorry, with the social media generation. I mean, it's not just fighting with with the chairman like that and that tweet, regardless of what you think of the chairman, is disgusting. That's someone's dad, you know, that's someone's, like, granddad and stuff. You you don't say things like that. It's just wrong, um, no matter what they've done to you, to you or to your club. Um, and, um, you know, you, what it's the social media generation. I mean, every time I go on Twitter, there's someone that wants to have a pop at me or wants to make a sarcastic comment or wants to take the piss out of us because we dared to charge £5 for all the, the content we're putting out and stuff. It just seems to be, it seems to be something that just happens with the social media generation. I think what it is, is that majority, when you say something online or when you say something, you know, like that, it, 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 it almost doesn't, I think, these people feel like it's real. Like, I dare, I 
I very much doubt that person that sent that tweet to David Gold would go up to his face in mm. front of his family and say those exact words to him to his face. Mm. I, I very, very, very much doubt that. Um, and I think that's the difference. Well, social media gives a platform where you can say something and run away from it. I mean, look at all the amount of trolls I get. Never, ever, ever. I mean, occasionally, but very, very rarely do they have their name or their face on anything. You know, because mm. so they know that they can say something and just and just run away from it. And thankfully, all these people that have tried to do racist stuff, you know, there was one to Ian Wright. I think there was some to Rashford. And obviously, there's been many other examples. Thankfully, now the police and the authorities are actually doing something where they find out who these people are and make them stand up to it. And, you know, funnily, the one with Ian Wright, I read, was like an 18-year-old guy in Ireland that had a... You know, was it meant to be really good at school? Had a, you know, it was a decent background. Was a top, was it meant to be generally a nice guy? But you stick him on a bloody mobile phone and it changes them. And unfortunately, until social media, things like Twitter make you have to verify who you are so that you can be traced if you do that thing. It will mm. always give people um, a chance to think that they're a tough guy um, on, a, on a computer. And unfortunately, that's what they do with David Gold. You know, I understand if you don't write, like what David Gold's done, uh, you can do, there's ways of doing things, but that's just sick in my mind. And, you know, I agree. I don't think he should be on Twitter. I don't see the point of him doing it. It's almost like stoking the fire, particularly when he doesn't say anything that's like relevant. Mm -hmm. No, like if he wants to wish Winston Reed luck at Charlton, I saw Charlton and uh, Brentford. Brentford. Um, <laughs> so they're playing red and they're in the same sort of part of London. <laughs> and, and then you called them Brentford. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, so I'll be honest with you, so I'll tell you the real reason. I've got um, the Chelsea Tottenham game on the screen and they were just showing the league table and I was loving looking at the fact that we were above both of them so it actually distracts me that was the real reason and so uh, yeah like, I think I think the fact is you know he could have wished Winston Reed that luck on the phone or the text yeah I think I would rather that if that was me um, so he didn't need to say that he almost states things that are obvious so it's almost like inviting that it's like he invites the, the comments, but that said, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't, I'd never, I'd never agree with speaking to someone like that. I'm just not that sort of person. Mm. And I like David Gold, you know, I know it's not a popular opinion, but you know, we've met him, I think he's a lovely old boy. And whether you want to accept it or not, he does love West Ham, he has got West Ham in his blood, he is one of us now. How you judge him when it comes to running a football club is very different, and I would agree with 98% of what people would say in relation to that. But I was quite sad to see that, really, and I'm quite embarrassed on behalf of some of the West Ham fans with, with the shit that I read on Twitter at times. It's um, it's not great. It's Fulham away on Saturday. Tough game, in my opinion, but a great opportunity to get another win under our belt. How do you see that playing out? I'd like to feel we'd win, mate. I mean, at the end of the day... <clears throat> no give, game is a given and there are no weak teams in the league and the way the Premier League is so interesting is because it is very hard to predict however if we're going if we've got wins at is away isn't it yeah if we've mm. got wins we've got wins at Aston Villa we've got wins at you know Leeds Leicester um, places mm. like that when you look at the league table and you look at what's happened to Fulham this season, you've got to fancy a fifth place team um, against against a relegation team. 
Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a scrap, to be honest. I think Scott Pike will get them up for it, but I don't actually think they're good enough to stay in the Premier League. They're one of my three to go down this season, but it is away from home, and you never know. I mean, if we turn up as the best West Ham possible, like we've done throughout most of the season, I just think we'll have too much for them. Um, score predictions? Um, I'm going to go 3-1. OK, I'm going to go a little bit closer than that and say 2-1. And talking of predictions... I find myself 109th in the predictions league and X is currently 122nd, but it is quite close between us with a gap of only 45 points. Let's have a look at the top five as it stands. In fifth place... Right, just wait. Something before, though, you missed, right? Three games through. I don't know, poor admin on your part, lack of uh, lack of organisation, whatever you want to call it. You missed three <laughs> games recently, right? Three games that were what I would have seen as reasonably predictable. Obviously, they weren't. I was proven wrong. I got all three of them wrong that you didn't predict. You admitted to me that you would have done the same predictions that I did. But because you forgot about them, you've got away with it. And this is what I'm working with. I'm working with, yes, like competition from you, but I'm also working with the gods against me. It's a big challenge I've got ahead of me. <laughs> Has anyone noticed listening to this show that it's always someone else's fault? There's no accountability. It's always your fault. For, 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 for any person. of your underperforming weeks. It's never it's any accountability. It's not underperforming because I'm doing <laughs> You've got three fucking predictions wrong. Whose fault's yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's, it's the teams that should have won fault for not winning. And also, <laughs> and it's also your fault for not bloody predicting them. If I'd forgotten to predict them, I'd have been better off. <laughs> just, just, just sums it all up. Oh, mate. I'll tell you what, it, it hurts you, doesn't it, sitting behind me at the moment in this league, facing Does. a potential second year in a row, losing out. I mean, big to be fair, I just look at the, the fancy league if I want cheering up, but... <laughs> yeah, well, you're the only one that does. <laughs> Let's have a look at the top five as it stands in this predictions league. In fifth place, at Lamb Jones. In fourth place, at Jay Saywood Jones. In third place, at Scotch Curran. In He's second, still there. Wow. he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of the same names are, are there or thereabouts throughout most of the season. You know, they seem to be so consistent with their predictions. Yeah. In second place is uh, Jerry Harrington, but leading the pack with 2,824 points is Tony Close 3. So well done, lads, and well done to everyone in this competition, um, especially if you're not one to uh, make excuses if you have a bad week, like our good friend Exia. <laughs> it's, it's now time to pick the winners of this month's West Ham Way prize giveaway. First prize is a signed 1986 shirt. Second prize is a £50 club voucher. And third prize is a copy of the Goodbye Ginger event that we hosted and that will also come with a signed picture of him too. As always, X will scroll down the list of patrons, and when I tell him to stop, he will tell us who he's fingered. Right, now... <laughs> X, are you ready? I am ready. I'm always ready to finger, mate, but um, am, I, am I fingering third or am I fingering first? Should I think I go we third should... to first? Yeah, I think so, mate. Let's go from the bottom to the top. Okay. <laughs> what, <position laughs> As always. Or... Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so start with the bottom. Never, okay. I don't, I'm not a particularly fan of fingering bottom, but anyway, we'll. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so it's what you've experienced. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long time ago, mate, a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. sure this is going to make the final cut, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've right. Got the Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Stop. You like a long finger, don't you? Right, that is. I like the Third place is a Michael Hayward um, who gets the Ginger event and signed picture. Brilliant. Well done, Michael. You'll enjoy that event. Very, very good. Very good. Okay, mate, we're ready for number two? Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about bottoms. Now we're going into number twos now. I'll tell you what, <laughs> too easy, isn't it? Too easy. Is the, the, the jokes just crossing themselves in for us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Stop. Okay, this is a Peter Cartwright. Hooray! Congratulations, Peter. Good stuff. You are the proud owner of a £50 club voucher. And now let's do first prize, which is a signed 1986 shirt. So, when I say stop. Okay. Stop. Okay, the winner... Of this is a Stuart Ling. Brilliant. Well nice done, Stuart. There, mate. Well done. I could read all three of those. Yeah, yeah. I'm always a little bit nervous for you when we do this because yeah. we have got some interesting names on our Patreon list. So uh, I think that was quite kind to you that that time, which is good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, listen. Well done, guys. The prizes are on their way. And for those who didn't get fingered by X, don't worry. We'll do the same again next month and every month thereafter. Right, okay, let's hear from the second best squash player at the West Ham Way. X, the man in the know. He keeps you in bonds on rain or snow. His opinion is in demand. There ain't another ITK that I can stand. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival is coming September 9th through the 18th. Free parking and the best rides in town. Ride the Ferris Wheel, the Superman, the Merry-Go-Round, or one of our great kitty rides. Try the delicious funnel cakes and carnival food, or test your skill at one of the games. There is fun for the whole family. For information, amazing discounts, visit dreamlandamusements.com through September 8th. The Fair Oaks Mall Carnival, September 9th through the 18th. Don't miss it. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans. <laughs> 